Let us pray. Father, we give you praise and thanks for this day. We thank you for all your goodness to us, and especially we thank you for your word that you have spoken. We ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us now. Lord, open our hearts and minds to know and receive your word. Ask, Lord, that you give me words to speak, and that my own words and thoughts might be forgotten. In Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. I know that this may be a shocking thing to you, but I have a lot of these right now. <laughs> Most of them are actually quite a lot bigger than that. These are these ones held books, and as I was packing them in my office, I thought I should keep the boxes small because I'm a weak man, so um, they got a bit heavy. If any of you need boxes, I happen to have a garage that's about half full of empty boxes filled with paper that you can wrap for things. But boxes uh, are quite useful for, for a number of things. Um, I will sell them cheaply. So, uh, I won't charge you a lot. Um, I have to say that, that it, well, it was very interesting. I packed my office and all the boxes in them and I took all the boxes home and I had this grand scheme that I marked some of the boxes and different things that were going to go on my trailer and not on the moving van. And I, I discovered something I, I have to say about my priorities. There were certain things that I thought I, I you know, I, I trust this moving company, but I don't trust them enough to take some of these things. Some of it's obvious. I was not going to put my passport in a box. Um, partly because you sort of need it at the border, but also because there's always this chance. And so it was Lester was not going to go on the truck. You haven't met Lester yet. Lester is my, um, one of my guitars. And I thought, there's no way this is going on the truck. I just don't trust them enough. It went in a privileged place inside the vehicle on the way here. So we get here. Because it's a prized possession. It's, it's a um, Gibson Les Paul Black Beauty special. And so there's, the moving truck is not touching this. But I had all these things taken from my office. And I thought, some of these I need right away. I'm not sure when the truck's coming. So I marked them. But in the chaos of life, three of the boxes got put in the trailer, and three or four or five of the boxes went on the moving truck. So I got here and opened the boxes and went, oh man, the stuff I needed was in the other box. <laughs> so it's a case of not everything I expected was with me when I opened up the boxes. It was a case of not having everything the way I'd wanted and, and anticipated. And, and that can be a bit of a surprise. I don't know if you've ever opened a box and got something you didn't expect or you expected something and it wasn't there. Boy, I'm really tempted to make a comment about a certain service I'm struggling with right now, but we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll see that for next week if I have to. But when, when you have these expectations and they don't go the way you had figured, it can be, you know, really, really shake you up. And so it was with the rich man. From the parable. The rich man had had this wonderful life. Everything went, went perfectly. I mean, 
I, I, I sort of envy him. He had the best of the food. I mean, you know, he had lamb and calves from the stall, so he had fine food, he had fine wine. He had obviously had a large house. It was a gated house. I don't know if it was a gated community, but he had it pretty good. And he just enjoyed life every day. And when he died and he finds himself in Hades, well, first of all, it wasn't the address he'd anticipated for retirement. <laughs> and he finds himself in this place in torment, which is the second thing he hadn't really anticipated. What he'd anticipated was that everything was going to continue on even better than he had had it on earth. But that's not what happened to him. His boxes hadn't got there. Somehow he had just expected that as he went on into paradise, he would get there and everything would be waiting for him exactly as he had expected. And everything that he had experienced before would be there even better. And that was not what he found at all. And so it was that he cries out, I think in, in, in perplexity, Father Abraham, send that boy over here. To relieve my pain. He knew who Lazarus was. He said, send Lazarus. I don't know if you caught that. There's the rich man, some, you know, feasting day by day. And there's this poor man laying at his gate who has nothing. Lazarus, Jesus said, would have been happy with the scraps that fell off the edge of the table. You know, the bits that he didn't even want to eat, that he just kind of flicked aside. Lazarus would have loved to have had even that. He lay at the gates and the dogs licks his sores. I mean, this, Lazarus is your, your absolute stereotypical picture of poverty. Jesus doesn't explain why he's in poverty or anything else because it's really irrelevant. The point is that the rich man had everything he could imagine and enjoyed it thoroughly, and Lazarus lay at his gate with nothing. So they're just these exact polar opposites of life and experience. Now in Hades, the rich man cries out, Father Abraham, send Lazarus. So he knew who he was. In other words, all those years he had lived, enjoying all the good things of life and his wealth and everything, he saw Lazarus, he knew Lazarus was at his gate, and what did he do for Lazarus, or about Lazarus, or anything? Nothing. But what he did bring into Hades with him was this attitude that Lazarus existed to do something for him. Father Abraham, send Lazarus to dip his finger in the water and relieve my torment. Well, sorry. Ain't gonna happen. First of all, you already had your enjoyment of everything, and you enjoyed it. Good for you. Second of all, can't get there from here. Well, Father Abraham, send Lazarus back to warn my family. See, he still had this attitude that he was there to use. Lazarus was there for his, his use, his privilege, his whatever. He didn't seem to have this sense of either repentance or warning. Or even of awareness of Lazarus as a person. We have another account of this case of people who have absolutely everything that Amos spoke to. And it's a similar kind of picture that's, that's uh, revealing itself to us. 
Alas, for those who lie on beds of ivory, that doesn't sound very comfortable to me, but I think the image is that they're made out of, maybe there's cushions on it. But imagine the beautiful couch, the beautiful environment. That's, that's what Amos is speaking to. It's people who have very nice things, who are enjoying uh, their food, <clears throat> who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp, and like David, improvise on instruments of music, who drink wine from bowls, bowls and anoint themselves with oil. They have a, an abundance of everything. And the problem isn't that they have an abundance. See, we need to understand that here. It is good to enjoy good things. But to do it with thankfulness and, and to do it as an acknowledgement of where we have received it. Whatever we have, we have through the grace of God. So if God has blessed you, it's okay to enjoy what He's blessed you with. So long as you receive it with thanksgiving that you honor God and that you give it back into His hands and that the way you enjoy it pleases Him and honors Him and is aware of those around. You see, this rich man in the parable had... He had an awareness of Lazarus, but he was selfish in, ha in using what he'd received. And that's the exact same case with those that Amos is speaking to. As you get to the end of verse 6, in chapter 6 of Amos, you understand why they're being condemned. They weren't being condemned because they had these things. They're being condemned because of their attitude about these things. They drink wine from bowls and anoint themselves with the finest of oils, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, they, will, they shall now be the first to go into exile. When Amos speaks about Joseph, he's speaking about the nation. They were so caught up in their parties, their meals, their goods, their whatever, that they were oblivious to the fact that the nation had rejected God and fallen away from Him. There was no sense of mourning, no sense of concern, no sense of responsibility for the people around them. No sense of repentance or crying out to God to say, God, have mercy on this nation. Change our hearts. Change my heart. Change our leaders, Lord. Let us bring us back to you. There is no concern for that at all. It was, if this doesn't concern me directly, I don't care about it. Isn't that too bad? What's on the other channel? That was the kind of attitude that soaked into them. And so Amos said, you, you have received these wonderful things, and you've not enjoyed them in a way that pleases the Lord. Not only have you not thanked God, not only have you not glorified Him in that, you've become so self-consumed and self-focused, you don't realize how bad your situation is. You have no concern for the people around you. You have no concern for your God. You don't know the danger that lies in front of you. Exactly what Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, you need, you need to tell people when you teach them, when you speak to them, to the church. Warn those who are wealthy to be careful. They're not condemned because they're wealthy. They're to be warned of the danger they face. You see, those of us who have a lot of nice things face the danger of becoming complacent as we enjoy them. We can misinterpret 
the, the situation that we are in. That because we have comfort and because we have enough food to eat, because we have enough money to pay our bills and more, that we can think we're already in retirement, spiritually speaking. You see, there's a sense that says if God is blessing me, if I'm good with God, if everything is okay, that means I have uh, prosperity. In fact, some people teach this, that, that prosperity gospel, that we should all have a, a nice life and have lots of goods and lots of good things, and that's the way we know that God is smiling on us. We just have to have faith to claim it. But that's actually not what the scripture is saying. I mean, did Jesus' parable say Lazarus was cursed by God because he had sores and had nothing? It does not say that at all. The warning that Paul spoke to Timothy was that when we have ease, when we have wonderful things, there's a danger that we can rest in those things and think we've already reached the finish line. Or that we want more. Right? Now, I have, I have to confess, I, I, I've probably told this story to you before. I had the experience several times in my life where I've driven a very fine automobile. I, just before I moved, I, I sold my, my car that I drove all the time. My daily commute was a Pontiac G5. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. They're not a big car. The, uh, but it was my car. I bought it brand new. It was, it was by the grace of God that I was able to get it. So I was, was mindful of that, that I had it because some people were generous to me. The other redeeming quality about it was it was a standard. I would never have wanted that thing in an automatic because it would have been gutless beyond belief. But it was my daily drive. It was a small car. It was the kind of car that I drove that I was always prayerful that all the creatures would stay off the road because if you hit a chipmunk, you might total the car. <laughs> the other thing about it was uh, three times in my life I've driven a Porsche 911. And once I've driven a BMW M5. Those vehicles, oh, you sit in it and you drive it and you go, this car wants to be driven. <laughs> it's just amazing. The control when you drive it, it sticks to the road. It just has this, uh, it's a transformative experience. I mean, just, can you see I'm just disappearing back into the <laughs> Well, the problem is having sampled it, it changes your sense of what a nice vehicle is. So you drive a Porsche 911, then you go, go back and sit in a Pontiac G5, and you go, oh, it's a car. And there's always now this sense of, hmm, I wonder if I could find a way to get this car. Your standards change as you, as you experience nice things. I don't think there's something wrong with that. It's, it's once you're, you know, when you taste something good, you understand what good is. But the problem for some of us is that can become the driver of our life. I, I uh, a few years ago, five years ago already, um, had the opportunity, my parents decided that they would like their children and spouses to go on a cruise with them. And it wasn't something that filled me with joyful anticipation. Because what was in my mind was this picture of being trapped in a shopping mall with 5,000 people. <laughs> For me, that is not a joyful concept. 
But I went because this was something my parents really wanted to do. My sisters were going to be there, my husband's. My husband's. <laughs> my sister's husband's and my wife. I don't have a husband. <laughs> so Veronica and I joined my sisters and my brothers-in-law and my parents. We had a marvelous time. It wasn't at all like I was afraid it was going to be. And so the opportunity came up to go on another cruise. And my understanding, my standards of what kinds of things make a fun holiday had changed. There's a different way to experience things and to travel. And so there's a different concept of things. And what Paul wanted Timothy to understand and be able to tell the people of the church was to be very careful that as you experience the good things that God gives you, that you don't become so in love with the things that they become your object and destination. And that you're consumed by having more and better and more and better and more and better. So that your heart becomes harder and harder, more close to God, and more consumed with the things here. Paul said many have become trapped by the temptations that come with it. He said the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And when we love money, when we love the things that money can get us, well, you, you invest yourself in what you love. <laughs> So if you love your money and you love your stuff and you love your holidays and you love all those kinds of things, you fall into the temptation, you expose yourself to the danger that that's what your life becomes. Another experience, another holiday, another nice thing. More and better. And Paul said the danger is that you fall in love with those things so much that you fall out of love with your Heavenly Father. And that your life is invested in advancing in this world, and you forget the other world. You see, we have to be very mindful of what things are going in the boxes to transition across the border. I don't mean the border to Canada or Mexico. I mean the border between heaven and earth. The rich man in the parable seemed to have this sense that they were going to arrive, think that they're going to arrive in heaven and their boxes would have got there. And all the good things of earth were going to be there only multiplied. But the good things of earth weren't actually the good things. They were nice things. But that's not what happens. Our stuff doesn't cross the border. I like my last Paul, but the truth is it's not going to heaven. But some things do. There are things that cross that border. And there are some things that go ahead of us into heaven. And that's what Paul said. Timothy, O man of God, fight the good fight. Be intentional about what you're doing. Invest yourself in eternity. So Timothy, concentrate on these things. He said there's great gain in contentment. There's great gain in godliness combined with, it, with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But as for you, man of God, shun all this, 
Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Righteousness crosses the border. Generosity crosses the border. Faithfulness crosses the border. Mercy crosses the border. Love crosses the border. Your testimony crosses the border. The scriptures say in a number of places that what we do here has an influence of what we will experience when we are there. So Paul says that, you know, it's not that, that we should not have good things. We would better be mindful of what we do with those good things. So we need to, to receive them with gratitude and acknowledge that they have come from God and they're not the purpose and they're not the point. And to enjoy them in a way that pleases the Lord. So many of you have been so very generous with, with what God has given you. So thank you for you who are generous. It pleases the Lord when you are generous as He is generous. So keep on doing that. And no, it's not in the things, but it's in the giving that God is pleased. And God notices that, and that goes in the box. And when you're faithful to Him, no matter the cost, but that Jesus always has the first claim on your life and the first claim on your time, that goes in the box. The hours that you spend in His presence, they go in the box. See, it's not as though there are two distinct realities and two distinct worlds. And that this world and this physical experience is a finite, closed-off thing. And then when this ends, we go into a different, finite, closed-off thing. And that there's no connection. There is a connection. That connection exists at this very moment. What we do now is part of what heaven is about. Your future in the presence of God is very much defined by what you do in the presence of God now. But that goes the other way too. Some things transfer across the border this way. Which is why Paul said to Timothy, take hold of the kingdom of heaven. That wasn't the sense of eternity, that this is your, your destination, take hold of that. But there's also the sense of remember who you are and whose you are and what that means. Because the things of heaven come to you now for you to receive and for you to give away. Things like the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Those things, Timothy, grow in yourself and give them away. Receive that from heaven. That's a box coming the other way. There is a sort of heavenly Amazon <laughs> not, not talking about the river or the region, but the, you know, Amazon.com. But we need to know what that is. See, what God sends to us is His presence, His grace, His mercy, the things that please Him. So it is that as we think about the way our lives are structured and what we pursue and what we think about, we need to have that sense of gratitude, but we also need to say, Lord, we need your presence, we need your grace, we need your healing, we need you. And Lord, would you pour that through me 
to others. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for all your incredible goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you have blessed us. Thank you for giving us homes, for giving us good food, for giving us good friends, for giving us all that we need and more. Lord, we acknowledge before you that these things have come from you. So help us to enjoy them in a way that honors you and glorifies you and pleases you. Lord, I thank you for your children who have been so generous to me and to others. Lord, I pray that you would increase that generosity within us. Lord, increase our gratitude to you for all that you've given. But Lord, what we would ask for from you is not more of, of stuff, but more of your grace. Lord, we pray that you would bring us revival. That we would be on fire with your Holy Spirit and that that's what the world would see. Lord, open our eyes to see the people around us and the opportunities that you give us to speak and to reach into their lives. Father, fill us with the fruit of your Spirit. Release in us the gifts of the Spirit. Lord, let us live for you. But Lord, we need your grace and your mercy to be able to do that. So Lord... Adjust our attitudes so that you would always have first place in our lives and among us as a community. We bless your name, God, for all that you've given us, for all that you are, for all that you are making of us. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs>